0: Covid lockdown had quite an impact on me. Um, I moved to a new city about three and a half weeks before the lockdown, so I didn't really have a chance to sort of integrate and, uh, you know, meet my colleagues and things
1: a, like that. A really growing this was a doctoral community here at, at our university. So for me, it was being able to contribute in a way that, you know, we can have some advice for supervisors out there on how they might manage their interactions, for example, with students at this time. I would say as well, it's about the maintenance of research and academic responsibilities,
2: or rather the management of academic and research responsibilities during the challenges posed by the lockdown.
3: Hello, and welcome to this Mental Health Research Matters podcast. In this podcast, I speak to Trish, Amy, and Elizabeth, three early career researchers from the Smart and student Mental Health Network, who are involved in analysing the data from a research project exploring the impact of COVID-19. On the working lives of PhD researchers and research staff. This research project was conducted in partnership with Vite, a non-profit program supporting the professional and career development of researchers. In this podcast we delve more into what the research can tell us about good practice for universities to support early career researchers at this time, why getting involved in this research was important to them, and their hope for how learnings from the pandemic change early career research culture for the better. So, Thanks so much for agreeing to record this podcast for Mental Health Research Matters. I wondered if to start off, you could all tell us a little bit about yourself. And if you could, if you had to summarise your research in one sentence, what would you say? I'm Amy.
0: Um, I'm a first year PhD student at UEA. Um, I started in January, and I'm looking at PGR and PhD student mental health and the impact of the supervisory relationship.
3: Awesome. So super
0: relevant to Smarten. Yeah. Elizabeth?
2: I'm assumed to be a third year student in counselling psychology. So I'm a doctoral student at Teesside University and my research is in undergraduate student mental health, looking at help seeking behaviours, so looking for support from student services and how that might be affected by episodic future thought which is your ability to mentally time travel or to imagine your own personal future.
1: Hi so I'm Trish I'm a lecturer in sport and exercise psychology at the University of Lincoln. The last couple of years I've been doing a part of my research has been around uh, mental health and psychological well-being in doctoral students and over the next year, I will be leading a Smartin funded project that is looking at developing an evidence base for an induction package for doctoral students with the aim of improving their mental health.
3: So, why did
0: you choose to get involved in this work with Smartin?
1: Well, student mental health is an
0: important sort of issue to me, and also with starting my PhD in January, the Covid lockdown had quite an impact on me. Um, I moved to a new city about three and a half weeks before the lockdown so I didn't really have a chance to sort of integrate and uh, you know meet my colleagues and things like that before everything went remotely and it also gave me an opportunity to feel like I was doing something that could really help um, other students and feel like you know we were it was a way to make a tangible difference in quite a difficult period of time. Elizabeth?
2: I was already a member of the student research team, a year-long post, which I started earlier this year. And because my research is very much in undergraduate mental health, so for me, I'm really interested in the life phase of 18 to 25, which, of course, most undergraduates fall within that age group, rather. I really wanted to extend my knowledge of postgraduate mental health, essentially, and as someone who is, of course, a postgraduate as well, doing a three-year Uh, doctoral program which is really intense full-time as I'm sure everyone else can appreciate here So I really felt like I wanted to to learn more about postgraduate mental health fundamentally and i thought this was a great way to to really broaden my understanding of student mental health more generally and also as well because my project is quantitative and this was qualitative research i thought it would be great to again extend my research skills
1: okay so i suppose there be a couple of reasons for me number one i think for the from the perspective of students understanding what their experiences had been like as, as phd students given that. The current circumstances and the impact it was having on them and obviously hoping to to help in some way to you know posit- have a positive impact on that um, secondly i suppose from a supervisory perspective as well so i'm supervising some phd students and we have a, a really growing this was a doctoral community here at, at our university so for me it was being able to contribute in a way that you know we can have some advice for supervisors out there on how they might manage their interactions for example with students at this time and I suppose thirdly just from, from a research perspective it's learning about how we can um, understand what's going on for doctoral students and ultimately have an impact and I think that's the key here. It's it's not just about advancing our knowledge but it's also about having an impact and I felt that, um, that the ethos of this project and what it was seeking to do in a very proactive approach was really in line with what I would like to see um, at, to address what's going on at present. So they would be kind of some of the reasons for me. That's awesome. And it's great to hear
3: from a supervisor perspective as well, because I know this is who you've aimed your results at and you've given some great, we'll get onto them in a bit, but some great guidance for supervisors and PIs and also line managers. So I want to just ask a tiny bit about the research process for people like me who haven't done qualitative analysis before so there were 10 of you guys on the project could you tell us a bit about the qualitative process you used
0: so I've done some thematic analysis prior to this project so thematic analysis is basically looking at data that you have and trying to identify the key themes or ideas that come up across the data so things that come up a lot across different responses things that were common that were said certain sort of ideas or phrases or issues that a lot of different respondents had so through doing that you can then identify broader key themes such as access to equipment if a lot of pgrs have said oh i don't have the laptop or i don't have the software things like that it's a way of grouping the ideas under sort of manageable and easy to understand almost umbrella terms to capture what's in the data?
2: Yeah so as I mentioned qualitative research or analysis isn't my key own personal research approach but my understanding of thematic analysis and what we're doing is it's quite pragmatic so it's quite driven more by what the data give us rather than taking a more theory driven or conceptual driven approach to the data so it's not starting with theory or concepts it's starting very much with the data and what's there and then building up so it's kind of from the ground up rather than from the top down.
1: And just to give a, a bit of an overview as to, to how we manage such a large data set. So we had over 6,000 responses and we took a 1,000 of those in around 1,000. And for each qualitative response, we had two coders. And that's not really from the purpose of reliability. It's more so to encourage reflexivity is what we refer to and looking to generate that understanding and that knowledge. So it was about kind of looking at the, the basic codes, which is was the, the most basic unit of the qualitative analysis, and then grouping similar codes into to higher order themes and into our final themes, which went up into the report. Also, that inductive approach is really important, given how unique our responses were and the uniqueness of this situation. So adopting very much, as Elizabeth said there, that ground up approach in terms of how we looked at this data.
3: That's really helpful. Thank you. Could you just clarify what you mean when you say that you used an inductive approach to analyse this data?
1: So we talk about in qualitative research kind of having a deductive approach or an inductive approach. There's other approaches as well, but they're the main two. And when we talk about deductive, we are approaching a data set with a particular theory in mind or particular framework so if we have a particular theory or you know for example some of the work in the doctoral student literature previously would have looked at stressors but used predefined categories in order to essentially fit the the codes into and I suppose that's very useful in terms of it's kind of helped you to to identify what you're looking for, but it can also lead to the omission of important information as well. And I think given that the exploratory nature of this work, the an inductive approach where we're really trying to generate understanding from immersing ourselves in the data was, was really key to this piece of work.
3: So... One of the key guidance points emerging from your analysis was the importance of institutions listening and acknowledging the experiences and challenges being faced by ECRs during the pandemic. And obviously this has affected people in different ways, but if you had to generalise, what would you say are the main challenges faced by ECRs at this time?
0: Isolation, both socially from colleagues in the office or peers around the campus and from supervisors or other academics that you're working with, communication is has changed a lot and can often take a lot longer than when you're in the office and you can just turn around and say, oh, can we grab a cup of tea or could you help me with this issue? Yeah, I think the sense of isolation that is acknowledged a lot in the literature is already existing within being a PhD student. The pandemic has certainly heightened that for a lot of students where their supervisor is often most of their human contact.
2: Certainly, communication and contact were definitely a major theme that we noticed as a team. I would say as well, it's about the maintenance of research and academic responsibilities, or rather the management of academic and research responsibilities during the challenges posed by the lockdown. So those might include a whole diverse range of issues to or problems to like, for example, funding or finances, deadlines, which is obviously linked to funding and finances. So are those going to be extended during lockdown or because of lockdown or, or not? And the procedure for applying for, say, a, an extension to a deadline or for extension for funding, is that even available in the first place? So those kinds of considerations around the actual degree programme and how that plays out, I think were very prominent as well
3: on the funding note has this been quite a sort of funding body dependent thing as to whether an extension is available and how easy or how difficult has it been for students to access the information about the process of applying for um, an extension and what can pis do to help and when does it need to be taken to an institution level
2: well i think um, it seems as if there was some variation by institution so I think this certainly links to the issue of poor communication So I think one thing students might find frustrating EGLs might find and ECLs might find frustrating is just not being told things or being given unclear unhelpful information if at all about whether or not extensions and deadlines or to funding were even available in the first place so I think that came through to some
0: degree. If I can just jump in I think another issue that was prevalent for some of our sample particularly international students for things like visa extensions you know if any extension was granted by an institution or a funder. Would that then be upheld by the government and not having the knowledge right from the top put both institution supervisors and ECRs in a tricky position where institutions didn't have the information to necessarily make these decisions and didn't know the implications of things like extensions or funding issues? That was definitely something that came through from the sort of international student responses that we got.
1: Yeah, so I think the points that Amy and Elizabeth have touched on already, I I would reiterate those. And I think also the importance of just people at institutions who just be understanding of and empathetic in terms of what PGRs and ECRs are going through at present and the diverse range of demands that people potentially can have depending on their own personal circumstances at present. So I think one thing that was really coming through was the need to be considerate of the way people are having to work at present and maybe their own circumstances and how we can adjust the expectations that people have and also, I suppose, for people to recognise that this is an unusual time and that, as a result of that, productivity might not be at the level it was previously. And I think it's really been understanding to that and supporting students and early career researchers and being able to manage these unique circumstances.
3: Yeah. Did you um, see any examples of sort of good practice in terms of um, response to uh, managing a change productivity in what is a um, was and still is a very um, difficult circumstance. Um, Was there any examples of sort of good messaging that came from or support um, structures that came from PI level or even institution level or peer to peer level that you um, can give some sort of examples of either from your research or perhaps a personal experience?
0: Well, my supervisory team have been really brilliant over this time and have sort of reiterated, especially at the beginning, that any progress during this time made is good and is something to sort of hold on to. They've also been incredibly flexible. My partner who I live with is a key worker, so they've been very flexible in terms of moving our meetings so that when he gets his two, three days off a week, we can spend that time together and I can take those days off and sort of reset. And they've been very proactive about those sorts of things and things like setting up an office chat, you can just join casually, you know, have a cup of tea, talk about things that aren't necessarily research related, because that was something that came through a lot in the data was that many ECRs felt that their supervisors or line managers were only focusing on their research or work progress and not actually having those sort of casual check ins of how are you doing? How is this affecting you?
2: I also noticed something interesting that some PGRs or ECRs rather reported that still some degree maintaining expectations was useful. So one form of good practice I noticed was planning around the obvious obstacles caused by the lockdown. So, for example, if you don't have access to the lab, if that's on campus and you can't actually physically access the campus anymore, then you can plan to do things like write up your research methods, perhaps, or you can do another part of, of the work, even though you don't have access to the, the lab right now.
1: And I think it, it is just that sense of contingency planning. It's even just that that contact to acknowledge it in some way or form. I think for a lot of students, it was the fact that there was a void. There was no real contact and that creates a sense of anxiety around the uncertainty. Yeah. I mean, one thing I really noticed was
2: how strongly the desire for just contact and communication came through. The respondents who felt they had been well supported by their university seemed to me to really be saying that they'd still had regular meetings or contact in some way, shape or form with either supervisors or indeed with other members of their research team. So I think that's important to bring out.
3: I know communication has come out as a big theme, so I just wanted to explore that a bit more say if you're a a doctoral student or ECR and you wanted to approach your line manager or supervisor about a challenge that you were facing as a result of the pandemic, how would you recommend going about it? And on the sort of supervisor side, is there anything a supervisor or line manager could do to help make that communication easier?
0: Um, I mean, one thing that when I have needed to sort of um, bring issues up with my supervisory team, it's sort of, I've, generally emailed them asking if we can schedule a meeting Um, and one thing that has helped is they've been incredibly flexible with when that can happen and making time in their schedules I think makes ECRs and me personally as well feel like they are aware and they do care about what what is going on because I know that so many supervisors are incredibly busy at this time and have been over the entire lockdown so just that acknowledgement that oh, okay if you're having an issue you know i'll see if i can move some stuff around and fit you in sort of as soon as possible um rather than waiting for maybe like a a monthly pre-organized meeting um can be very beneficial and i know that something that The ECRs I work within our office, who had many different supervisors across our group, have found very useful are just the occasional message saying like these are the times that I'm around this week. If you need a sort of to chat about anything or you have any questions, please just, you know, give me a request on Teams or drop me an email and we can talk in whatever mode is best for you.
2: Speaking from my own personal experience, one thing I found incredibly helpful for me during the lockdown, firstly being a member of the ECR network at Smarton. So this is the network bringing together everyone who researches mental health across the UK. You know, this is how I know Amy and Trish, or at least how I've met them virtually through, through that. So we've been having weekly meetings on Teams. We have guest speakers, we discuss everything and anything to do with student mental health, basically individual members research, we get sort of updates on that, presentations it's just been, it's just an hour. So it's re- relatively simple and straightforward, but it's just been a great way to feel part of the research culture, to maintain networks and connections with people who, who have got, you know, the same interest in the sense that we're all interested in student mental health. So I, I can only thank Nicola Byram at Smartin for setting that up, because it's been brilliant.
1: Yeah, and I guess from a supervisor perspective, I think it's really important to to make sure that you are open and approachable at this time and that students feel that they can come to you but also being proactive and setting up you know be it those conversations or those emails and and making sure that you know you're putting the person first and the, the study elements second and I think that's really paramount and I would agree I think the world at, at this time it's really important to have those connections and Amy touched on it earlier that that sense of isolation and it's not just the, the physical isolation that comes with being outside of your your lab or your, your office that you usually work with your peers. It's also that social element, that that connection that you have, that identity that you all have potentially as a group. And those discussions that can often you know happen at the water cooler or over a cup of tea that, that spark an idea that m- help you to make sense of something you're doing in your work at that point in time. They make things click. And I think... F- in that respect, ha- not having the opportunity in a lot of cases to have those conversations um, can, can be something that has a, a negative impact. But I think, you know, it's utilizing the, the virtual tools that we do have and trying to find a way to work around that. And I think in some respect, it's actually opened up new opportunities for for people to develop connections beyond their their institution um, with people with similar interests. So the, the Smart and Virtual Lab is a perfect example of that in terms of linking together people. And likewise, here at our university, in our Sport and Exercise Psychology Group, we've actually set up a seminar series over the summer um, and we've called it the PGR Connect series, where we've essentially just brought together lots of researchers, you know, sent out invites to, to our, our relevant links um, in different countries. And, and we now have over 20 uh, researchers who who will present their work across the series. So I think it's, it's also looking at the opportunities that exist at this time, albeit there are so many challenges and we need to acknowledge them and support students in that respect. But also identify what ways can we step in when there aren't networking opportunities at conferences at present, for example. But how can we actually try to cultivate and um, some positives in at this time as well? And I think for me, it's that that communication, but within your institution, obviously with your supervisory team, but also looking for those peer to peer connections within and beyond your institution.
0: Yeah, Beth, and just to build on on the great points that Trish has made, um, it's something that. I personally have found is that there have been conferences and seminars and things that have, have moved online that I've been able to attend that I wouldn't have if it hadn't been locked down due to travel or finances and things like that and actually um, encouraging and sharing these opportunities with students because you know as someone who started their PhD journey in January I didn't really know where to look for things like what conferences were happening and when seminars or discussion groups were happening so actually having my supervisors say oh this is happening you know in two weeks time this might be of interest to you and can really help to keep you feeling like you are part of the research world even when you're just sat in your office or like I am um, in my bedroom um, working so I think yeah one thing that supervisors and institutions can do Um, is just publicise all of these opportunities because people might not know where to look and there's actually a lot going on that we may not have been able to access prior and actually being able to take part virtually can be very rewarding.
1: Thinking
3: a a little bit about research culture for early career researchers, I know we've mentioned a lot of challenges but also a lot of good practice to do with reacting to the pandemic, but if the pandemic could improve, so thinking... When things are a bit more closer approaching normal, if the pandemic could improve one thing about research culture, so early career researchers, or research culture in general, what would you like that to be?
0: Um, for me personally, I think that the the pandemic has really highlighted to a lot of people that we we all have our own mental health and well-being things like anxiety under around uncertainty isolation or, or loneliness from lack of human contact and the effect that larger country or worldwide events can have on our mental health I think that's really brought that to light and I think that the discussions that have been happening in some universities and with some supervisors about mental health and well-being they need to continue and beyond the pandemic because even when things go back to semi-normalcy it won't we won't ever go back to how things were before the lockdown and the pandemic and I think that that acknowledgement that actually we all had our own struggles over this time and that we need to keep talking about these things and keep being open about our mental health and how we're feeling and how we're doing and I think that can be a A positive change that can come from this is I think a lot more people have become aware of the fact that actually we can all experience difficulties with our well-being and that we can all feel the stress and anxiety that comes from such a a large event and the uncertainty of working remotely and not being able to see friends and family and things and I think it's really important to to keep those conversations and acknowledgement going after the pandemic
2: i think that's a really fascinating question actually and i certainly think that um maybe going forwards we could have more options for for virtual and for face-to-face conferences webinars meetings etc so i think it would be a shame if we dropped all webinars or all virtual forms of networking meeting between researchers from now on ECRs or pgrs so yes i i maybe would like to see in future conferences could have both an online and a face-to-face component. I'm not sure exactly how that might work. I think it would be a shame to never have face-to-face conferences again, because obviously there is something distinctive about those that you get, which can't quite be reproduced online, even though online can offer some really good alternatives. And so I don't want to knock that either.
1: Yeah, I think I would just reiterate those two points. I think it's really important for us to continue the conversation around mental health and wellbeing and you know in some ways it's a shame that it often takes something like this for those conversations to start but hopefully they will continue to to be engaged in moving forward and i would agree i think there's a lot of uh, good things that we can take from um, this scenario in terms of good practice and it's identifying you know how that can fit hopefully into the, the, the normal world when that returns and hopefully that's sooner rather than later Thank you for listening to this Mental Health Research Matters podcast. To find out
3: more about the work that Amy, Trish and Elizabeth were involved in, and to read the full recommendations for supervisors and line managers, please visit the link to the Spartan website in the description.